Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Marine Galvez, and I'm a teacher, facilitator, and curriculum designer for anti-oppressive and liberatory education. And here is where I share with you everything I know and I'm learning about translating social justice theory into classroom practice. This podcast is an offering for teachers. It aims to give you ideas for activities that you may want to incorporate in your teaching practice and adapt into your learning environment, whatever that may be. So today's episode is all about social constructs. And in a moment, I'm gonna be talking you through a visualization that I've created to help students understand the construction of social identities and how the identity categories we use are informed by power. I'll begin the episode by explaining what social constructs are and why I think exploring them with students is a very important part of a social justice learning journey. And then I will give you instructions and practical tips to deliver the visualization. All right, so I'm very fascinated with social constructs. A lot of the ideas that I will be talking through today are ideas that are weaved throughout the Rethinking Normal curriculum. And I think that unlearning and seeing beyond social constructs is a deeply transformative and liberatory process. Because understanding the fabrication of a social construct that you've never questioned in all of your years of existence can be such a profound awakening because social constructs filter how we perceive reality. And so they can be very limiting to what we can imagine for ourselves and for others. And for me, that awakening constitutes so much of the empowering nature of critical education. So first, let's define what a social construct is. I went to our good friend Google, and this is the first definition I found. A social construct is a concept that exists not in objective reality, but as a result of human interaction. It exists because humans agree that it exists. So I, th I actually think that's a pretty solid definition to start with. And there are so many things that we can fit under that umbrella, right? Things that we, we, you know, we might not think about these things as social constructs every day, but we know that they are. So things like money, language, borders, even time and the way we measure time, right? These are all things that exist in the way that they do only because humans have agreed to live as if they exist. Today's activity will zoom in on the construction of human identities. The visualization I'm gonna talk about is used to help students question how the categories we use to group and organize humans came to be and why. Because so much of how we perceive ourselves and perceive others is not a result of nature or even our individual will, but rather a result of deeply historical, political, and social processes that we've inherited. The social construction of identities which we do not question, the ones that our dominant culture doesn't want us to question, but instead pushes as a logical, biological, and objective inevitability, are the ones that are hardest to question and change. And 
power will usually violently discredit and repress any attempts to do so. Yet, if the categories we have created perpetuate violence, if the dividing line between the categories can also be used to predict someone's level of opportunity, safety, belonging, and agency in this world, then the dividing line must be questioned. How was this dividing line created, reinforced, and who is it serving? And is it really just about nature and logic, or is it about maintaining control, power, and hierarchy? So this visualization that I created was inspired by a video I saw on YouTube by a creator called Philosophy Tube. The video is called Social Constructs. It's incredibly good. Um, I've actually seen it like a dozen times probably. It's um, just a really good pedagogical tool. I'm so happy it's out there. I'll put the link in the show notes and highly encourage everyone to go check it out. In the video, the creator Abigail quotes a passage from a book that I think drives at the heart of what I explore in the visualization. It's a quote by Asta, an Icelandic philosopher, in her book, Categories We Live By. And I'll read you this quote before I read you the visualization, just because I, I think she makes really good points. So in her book, she says, each of us has a lot of features and only some of them matter socially in a particular context. Examples, I'm 168 centimeters tall and have shoe size 39. I have short hair and I'm wearing black pants. I speak English with an Icelandic accent. I am extremely nearsighted, have moss green eyes and pale skin. I have breasts and broad shoulders. Some of those features matter socially in a context, others do not. What is it for a feature of you or me to matter socially in a context? The answer is a feature is socially significant in a context in which people taken to have the feature get conferred onto them a social status. I think that's a brilliant sentence right there. A feature is socially significant in a context in which people taken to have the feature get conferred onto them a social status. And then the fact that they get conferred this social status based on the arbitrary feature creates positive outcomes for this group of people. But those positive outcomes have to do with the social status they were conferred, not the actual feature itself. So what we have here is a cycle, right? And understanding the way that this cycle operates can help us dismantle unjust and inequitable systems. But anyway, we're going to keep exploring this after the visualization. Obviously, feel free to tweak the details of the visualization so that they resonate with your audience. And before I begin reading, I would tell students that they can close their eyes or soften their gaze, and they can just sit back in their chair and just relax and enjoy the story time. Imagine that you have been called in for an interview. You have applied for an internship at Fugel, a small but promising tech startup. Many people you know, most more qualified than you in this field, have applied for this role but have not made it this far in the interview process. So you're both excited and nervous. At this interview, you're meeting the entire executive leadership team, consisting of five members. On the day of the interview, you show up at the company's offices 20 minutes early, and the person at the front desk shows you to the conference room where your interview will take place. 
You are told that you can wait there until the team joins you. 10 minutes before the interview is scheduled to start, the first person shows up. They introduce themselves as Jonathan, Fugel's chief engineer. Jonathan appears to be a middle-aged white man, and he has a positive, upbeat energy. He has a friendly face which is covered in freckles. You notice this because you do too. Next to walk in is Emmy, who introduces themselves as the chief executive officer. Emmy appears to be a young black woman. Emmy uses a wheelchair and similarly to Jonathan, seems happy to meet you. You notice that Emmy has light eyes and that her face is also covered in dark freckles, which you find striking. Finally, at two minutes before the hour, the remainder of the executive team enters the room, Kareen, Kayla, and Mohammed. Kareen appears to be an elderly Asian woman, you guess well into their 70s. Kayla appears to still be a teenager with a nose ring and tattoos. Mohammed appears to be a middle-aged man. He wears glasses and you notice that he is wearing a hearing aid. You can't help but notice that Kareen, Kayla, and Mohammed also have very pronounced freckles on their face. Most of your life, you've been the only one in a room with freckles, and now you find yourself exclusively with people who have freckles, although you've otherwise never seen a leadership team quite so diverse. When everyone is seated, you decide to raise the subject jokingly. So, uh, is this a meeting only for people with freckles? Emmy looks to her colleagues and decides to speak. Actually, yes. We don't talk about it publicly because we know it might be a bit controversial. But here at Fugel, we use a category called Schmark. Schmark states that there are two categories of people. People who have freckles and people who don't. In Fugel language, we divide everyone into spotties and planes. We reserve leadership roles to spotties. We have found that they are much more creative and intelligent in our specific fields. In fact, we have performed a series of internal scientific experiments that clearly show that these unique skills are related to the concentrated spots of melanin in the skin of spotties. This is partly why we think you're a promising candidate with a strong potential to climb up the ranks here. We don't really pay attention to other markers of identity because we haven't actually found them to be relevant. We believe that Schmark has been greatly overlooked in society and gives Fugel its edge. And our success speaks for itself. We've managed to get so far in a short time. So after this visualization, once the participants have had a chance to open their eyes and, and re-enter the room, I always ask them some general questions about the basics of the visualization to make sure everyone's on the same page. Things like what happened, what was surprising to them, uh, maybe how they would have reacted, were they the person coming into interview. And eventually I'm going to build up to a, a series of topics or exploration tracks that I want to ask them. One important question that we can start with is to ask them, well, would you say that a freckle is a social construct? And most students here say no, right? It's an objectively observable mark on the skin. And then the, the second question would be, well, what about being someone who has freckles? 
Well, here most students still say no. Um, there might be some more critical thinkers who start to spot some level of social construction here because, you know, it raises more questions like, okay, well, how do we decide how many freckles qualify someone as quote-unquote having freckles? Um, like, what is the threshold for this qualification? Um, right, but still on the whole, you know, having freckles is, is not really seen as a social construct. And then I asked them, well, what about schmark? Is schmark a social construct? And here, unanimously, everyone says yes, right? It's, it's so clear to us that schmark is obviously a social construct. And what's really crucial to explore is the fact that in the prior questions, the participants said that having freckles was not a social construct because it's based on an objectively observable trait. But now everyone is agreeing that schmark is a social construct, so what's going on here? And I'll keep having this conversation with myself because I have no students to explore this with right now. But the, the shift is happening because an attribute that's objectively observable, like freckles, is being conferred a ton of social power. And it seems to us that it's for a totally made-up, bogus reason. And it seems absurd to us because this isn't a feature that we in our society have given any meaning to, right? Whether or not people have freckles doesn't determine their social, legal, or political status, and it never has. And a side note here, but in the visualization, I chose freckles, but you can also do this exercise with eye color, height, blood type or foot size, just any feature that exists but that we haven't decided to construct power around. So here we can also think about how someone who has never heard about the way we do things, let's say they're time traveling from a different era in history or they've just never had contact with our culture, would react to social constructs that we have created based on a feature or a cluster of features. Um, for example, someone who's never lived in our worlds and enters it for the first time might think that splitting everyone into two genders or four or five races makes literally no sense, right? That doesn't mean they wouldn't be able to observe that people have a wide variety of different features, but they would surely be at least a little bit surprised about the categories we've created and the layers and layers of meaning that we've ascribed to them. Kind of like the fact we see and understand freckles, but we don't really understand the social construct of schmark. So for example, the category of girl and boy inform the division and the treatment of human bodies in ways that extend so far beyond what any biological reality could legitimize. Social construction has been an inevitable part of creating and imposing these two categories and these two categories only. And I suggest watching Philosophy Tube's video if you want to explore this topic more. And then another exploration track, which is interesting to go down, is to ask students to think about, okay, well, if Schmark was a category that we used, what might we expect to see in the world today? Let's say that powerful scientists at some point discovered that uh, freckles were correlated with intelligence. What difference might we expect to see between spotties and planes throughout society? 
Well, over time, if that belief was backed by power, Spotties would have obtained higher living outcomes, like in the domain of health, housing, education. Spotties would likely occupy the highest political positions and work the highest paying jobs. And then those positive outcomes that Spotties experience would be used to justify the fact that people with freckles really are superior. See, like they're doing so well. So that's the self-fulfilling prophecy of systemic oppression. That's the cyclical nature that I was talking about earlier. And so social constructs, even though they are in a sense made up, they're also very real because systems of power back them up and hold up their legitimacy. And it kind of stops mattering that they aren't real to begin with because they still influence the material distribution of resources and opportunities. And so a natural thing to keep exploring with students is the fact that at Fugel, freckles are one expression of genes that is used to divide and categorize people. And in our society and throughout history, what are some features that we have used to divide people into groups that then have been given vastly different amounts of power? And I suggest linking this visualization to whatever is most relevant in your course, right? Like whatever you've been exploring in your past lessons or whatever you plan to delve into in the future lessons, uh, whether it's race, nationality, gender, ability, class. Um, I think this visualization can really be adapted to any topic that you wish to um, deepen your students' critical thinking skills on. As always, I gave you an overview in this episode, but there is more in the guide if you wish to download it. And as I said before, the ideas explored on today's podcasts are explored throughout a bunch of the, the facilitator guides that I have in the curriculum store. Um, I'm notably thinking about my lesson on Michel Foucault and panopticonism, and also one called the Animal Category Challenge. I plan to make podcast episodes on both of those in the future, but they're not made yet. So if they interest you, uh, you can go on the curriculum store and also the guide on the construction of race. Um, in terms of podcast episode, podcast three on professor culture and podcast four on what counts as disability are also great activities to keep exploring uh, some of what I have dipped my toes into today. All right, that's it. If you wanna hear more from me, I've recently started a newsletter. You can sign up for that on my website. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with a fellow educator. Also, if you'd be willing to rate the podcast and even leave a review, I will be forever grateful. They are so important to me, especially in these early stages of what I'm trying to create. So thank you again for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll be back for an episode next week. Bye.